Well, good morning again, church family. It is great to see you this morning. Uh, my name is Kyle Reschke. I serve as one of our pastors on staff here at Wheaton Bible Church, and I just want to welcome you all, whether you're here in person, uh, joining us online. I know, too, a special shout-out uh, to our global missionary family uh, who tune in online as well. We love you. So glad you're here with us, too. So um, this morning, church, I am, I'm honored to, to open the Word of God for us, with us, and uh, I was reminded this week in a couple of missionary calls that the opportunity to gather together, to sing together, to greet one another um, is not a reality in a lot of parts of the world, to pray and praise together. And so this is something that I'm especially grateful for and just uh, hope you all are too. And, and in that spirit, would love for you to turn to the person next to you this morning and just say, I am so glad to be worshiping with you today. And do you see how that turns into a conversation? Wow. And now that you're close friends, uh, I want you to make a statement to one another this morning as we look at Jesus, the real Jesus of Easter. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, we all need the real Jesus this Easter? I heard some amens. We'll take it. All right. So this morning... We have a, a really common passage. We have, it's called the triumphal entry, Jesus uh, riding in to Jerusalem. And my challenge for you this morning, wherever you are, if you've heard this a lot before, or if maybe you're just exploring church or exploring uh, Jesus this Easter, uh, really think about who Jesus is, okay? I have some questions to start us off. And, and simply, who is Jesus to you? Is he a teacher? Is he a brilliant uh, philosopher who set out this, this brilliant code or moral value system? Is he, as some world religions would say, a prophet, one of many sent by God? Is he, as others would say, a false prophet? And how about for you? Is he someone maybe, if you really take a look, you've placed in your back pocket? You know, living most of life, I don't really need Jesus here, but he's in my back pocket for, for the time of need to cry out to. Is he like so much of the world says, is he love? But in that case, meaning the type of love that is more like our cuddly little teddy bear, right? Who loves us by never challenging us and just affirms us in everything that we would do. Instead of a love that in seeking our full flourishing might or absolutely would say you are going down the wrong path. Get it right and I'm going to show you the way. So I want you to answer this in Holy Week this year. Who really is Jesus? Because what he does today, what he claims today on Palm Sunday and in his triumphal entry and what he does on the cross later this week and the empty tomb as we fast forward 
doesn't leave any other option but that he is our true Messiah, Savior, King. Amen? All right. So we are in this week, this important week in the, uh, in the history of the world, I would argue. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give a lot, a lot of attention. We can see just by the volume of the writings how important this week is, okay? So in all four of the Gospels, there are 89 chapters altogether that are written, really chronicling the life and, and ministry of Jesus. And out of those, there are four just four of the 89, basically that chronicle the first about 30 years of Jesus' life. 85 of the chapters cover that last three plus years, and 29 of those 85 cover just this week, this Sunday, Palm Sunday that we're celebrating today, to next Sunday. So a third of these whole accounts in a 33-year life focus on just this one week. Seem important? And so this morning, what I want to do, I want to hit this from two angles and then a conclusion, okay? I'm going to be in John 12 is the key passage. I'll refer back to the Zechariah passage that we read earlier in our worship as well. But uh, my uh, three parts today, two parts and then a conclusion, okay? Number one, we will find that Jesus is better than religion, He is greater than all of our categories, and based on those two things, he is worthy of our worship, okay? Better than religion, greater than our categories, worthy of worship. If you're with me, say with you. Yes, this is good. Okay, John 12, uh, verse uh, 12. I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. So point one, Jesus is better than religion, or he's more appealing than religion. We read, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. So I will argue today that it's the same today as it was back then. Jesus is more appealing or better than religion. So what is going on here? In our passage, what is going on here is a religious festival. Okay, so there's, there's many thousands of extra people gathered in uh, Jerusalem. Even later in our passage, it's like the whole world, it was an expressive term, had gone after Jesus. And they're there for the feast of the Passover. And so in this day and age, there were uh, many feasts. That, that, that God's people would observe. They were all celebrating momentous occasions, times when God moved mightily. The Passover was recognizing God's salvation or his deliverance from their slavery, their bondage to the Egyptian empire many generations before. And so this is a pattern that would happen. God would move in really mighty ways. In this case, it was his deliverance of his people from one empire at one time. 
And so in response to him doing that, God would tell his people, remember. Sometimes they would build an altar and he would say, so you can point to that and tell your children and your children's children. At other times it would become feasts or major festivals and it was to remember, it was to reflect and say, our God is deliverer. He is mighty. And so that's what's going on here at this religious celebration. But it had gone on so long ago. What had happened is if you were a a, a Jewish person at this time and you were within a certain distance of the city of Jerusalem, you would be required to to come to the holy city for one of three feasts. This one, Passover, um, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, okay? And so they came here. It's part of a religious ritual. But year after year after year after year, the same routes the same songs, the same prayers, what we find is that this, for a lot of people, had become pretty rote. It had become going through the motions. It had become a society where religious leaders had become the elite. And Jesus calls them out because they had given endless burdens of checklist after checklist for the people to try and meet, to to earn their way to God, to earn a perfect God's favor. And in the midst of all this, right, Jesus comes on to the scene. And he says, I am the thing that all of this was pointing to. How God moved and delivered you at one time From that oppressive empire, I have come to deliver you from sin for all time, for all peoples. So he is just this breath of fresh air. We read even those on the margins of society that were pushed even further. The common person. We read the tax collectors. We we see the stories where Jesus um, is meeting with uh, the prostitute. Those pushed the vulnerable on the margins and were pushed even more. And Jesus is bringing them in. And we read in Mark 12 that even the common person or the average person, they were amazed at him. Or they sat under his teaching. They heard him with delight. And so he's a breath of fresh air. Jesus was greater than a religious system. So what he claimed, here's the difference. Religion emphasizes or uh, emphasized then and emphasizes now, I'll argue, the outward, while Jesus emphasized capturing the heart, the inward. Religion was so often about what you can't do, the prohibition. Jesus is here actually talking about, let me into your life and see what I can do. And we read later, when he rises again, ascends to heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit and he says, see what I will do through you. He was about what you can do. Where religion may put up barriers, Jesus pulls down barriers. See, all of us here, if we had visited the temple during this day, uh, would have been far, far, far outside of the inner courts. We wouldn't even be in the outer courts. We would have been the outer, the outer, and then the outer beyond that. Where religion 
sometimes acted as a bouncer to the kingdom of God, bursting onto the scene is Jesus, who says, I want to usher you in to the kingdom of God. Religion says you need to work your way to God. Jesus declares here on Palm Sunday and in what he accomplishes through his death and resurrection at Easter is that he is the way to God. So Christianity is not about all the steps we try to take towards God. It is actually about the infinite number of steps that God took towards us in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus is better than religion. He's better than just trying harder, trying to be better. He is the way. So that's point number one. I'm hearing the amen, so you all are with me? So Jesus, yes, more appealing than religion. The crowds had gone out. They were at the gate. They're in the middle of this religious festival, and they drop everything, and they go out to meet Jesus. They know he's better. They they say, Messiah is here. That's the point of the palm branches. It's welcoming a king. And so next, Jesus is greater than our categories. I'm going to turn to our next verses. They were greeting him. They had laid out the palm branches, the, 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 the blankets. It was greeting a coming king. And we read in verses 14 and 15, John chapter 12, Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Jesus is greater than our categories. I want you to see here um, the actual historical truth of Jesus, Okay? Sometimes our category would say, hey, if if you're really thinking about it, Christianity doesn't work. Or it would be exclusive to um, uh, uh, an intelligence or an intellectual life. And what I want to argue is actually the historical validity that we actually see here. So in John 12, it's quoting a prophet from 500 years ago. We read from Zechariah 9, 9, and 10. And I'm going to read from there again so that you see this. The prophet said, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. He comes righteous and victorious and lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim, what to the nations? Peace. And his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So this would be the profile of the coming king, of the Messiah. And what's remarkable here, this is 500 years about before Jesus is fulfilling it on Palm Sunday, riding in on a donkey. 500 years later, he is living it out. Zechariah also said that this Messiah would be betrayed for the price of a slave. And we know that later uh, Judas would betray him for a price. 200 years before this, the prophet Micah predicted that the birthplace of the Messiah would be the tiny, out-of-the-way, almost unheard-of village of Bethlehem. So for me, so much of what happens here on Palm Sunday and in Easter week actually shows the historical truth of who Jesus claimed to be. 
The prophecies from hundreds of years before came true in him. Who could know that other than God? He is so much greater than all of our categories. And by riding in on the young donkey, Jesus is actively declaring himself, Hosanna, Messiah, King, the one the prophets were talking about. And it's important to note here in the ancient world, the donkey means peace. So a conquering king, when they would come to a city, would ride one of two animals, and that would signify uh, what their intentions were. So if the coming king, uh, it was either a donkey or a horse, Riding in on a donkey was declaring to the city, I come in peace. Riding a horse, I come in war. For those who study more prophecies and what we believe about the second coming of Christ, he's riding a different animal than the donkey of this time. He's riding a horse. But at this time, he is coming, declaring prince of peace. How cool. So the historical fact that we encounter in the Gospels, right? Matthew and John were members of Jesus' main inner circle. Mark wrote his Gospel in close association with the Apostle Peter. Luke, we read, while not an eyewitness, conducted careful investigation on these events and had all these eyewitness accounts. There is a historical truth to what we're reading about and what happened. These aren't just myths or fables. Eyewitness accounts, this happened. And then the disciples, even the disciples and the others, they still had categories for him. So that what was the hope? The coming king. And it was, Lord, do what you did with the Egyptians. Now it's the Romans and rescue us from this. Rescue us in this moment. But Jesus is declaring that he's the Messiah the promised one who will do so much more. And so we continue on in John 12, 16 to 19. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb so they'd seen him uh, raised from the dead continued to spread the word and many people because they heard that he had performed this sign went out to meet him. So the Pharisees who wanted to keep trying to trap him said to one another, see this is getting us nowhere, their work. Look how the whole world has gone after him. But what I want you to see is there were still categories here. And Jesus is so much greater than the categories. He was so much greater than just salvation from the Romans. He would be salvation for all time. He was so much greater than their momentary struggles. He was about reconciling them to their creator. So he did the signs. He did the miracles. But he was even more. So I'm showing you a little bit of the history, but I want to ground this a little more personally and challenge you and say, okay, are there categories that you may have Jesus in? What is exclusive of the other? An example for me in my personal testimony, while I had grown up in the church, faith actually became even more real to me in college and actually through science. Now, I know many of us here and even uh, our secular culture will say, oh, well, there's, there's this exclusion of, well, do you believe in science or do you 
have faith. And I will argue that science points to a beautiful creator. What do I mean? This is a part of my testimony, okay? So I remember the day specifically, sitting in the student union in my undergrad years. I studied uh, cell and molecular biology and biochemistry, finished up with those in undergrad, and just to add in and make it really random, minoring in music performance on the French horn, okay? (laughs) It's still up in my office. We're going to stick with the science for right now, but it was a moment of studying. I was going to be required in a test in anatomy and physiology to to repeat what happens at the neuromuscular junction, what happens for a muscle to contract, okay? And I remember going through, and uh, for this sermon today, I did not go and review my my notes from 19 years ago. I said, what do I still remember? Well, I remember, I was like, man, okay, there's the electrical signal that gets propagated uh, uh, along the nerve, and there's something with like a sodium-potassium pump, and there's a ratio of three to two. I don't remember which, but then it ends at the end of the nerve and gets to the junction, and that triggers a, uh, a neurotransmitter to be released, and then calcium ions, and there's two proteins, actin and myosin, and uh, uh, the actin, I think, clears something away so that the myosin protein heads can start ratcheting together, and that's how the muscle can tracks. And I said, oh my gosh, this happens thousands of times for me to blink my eye. Nonetheless, to even think about what are the other muscles working, heart, diaphragm, to breathe. Apparently, I gesture a lot, you know, like that's, this is happening an incredible number of times. What a complex thing. And instead of saying, because I understand this, I couldn't have faith, No, it was this, oh my gosh, there is a creator who made all this. And I am, as the Bible says, fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are, as the psalm says, part of creation that cries out to our creator God. I was a little bit impressed with myself to remember what I did of the neuromuscular (laughs) junction, too. But we can have an intellectual faith. Understanding more of the science just kept leaving me more and more in awe of God and what he created. In awe of him. He is so much greater uh, than our categories. So some of you may have a follow-up question. You'll say, Kyle, okay, you studied the sciences and music. Uh, What are you doing as a pastor at Wheaton Bible Church now? Okay. There was more school later, but what I want uh, parents and students, okay, all of you here, what I want you to hear. Parents first, don't worry too much when your student may seem like they're all over the place, okay? Pray with them. Be faithful presences in their lives point out what the Lord is doing in their lives and encourage them. God's going to take care of it when you seek them together. Yeah. And I'll say, right, mom and dad, my, my parents who are sitting over here who saw that and I'm sure had all those moments of going, what is this guy doing? When is he going to get a job? <clears throat> And students, one thing I want you to hear this morning, okay? 
I know it feels stressful and you feel like you need to have the next five uh, years, ten years, whatever steps figured out. I'm going to challenge you this morning that right in front of you, the Lord has one more step of faithfulness. It is your job to take that step of faithfulness, okay? And after that, the next one and the next one and the next one, and he will guide your steps. Students, you all receive that? I know we got students up here too. Okay. End of sidebar, end of parenting and student seminar for the day. So let's move this a little more personal. How could a God who we actually make in our own image, if you've made him to fit all of your categories, how could he actually then meet all of your deepest needs at the same time? It doesn't work. Put another way, uh, you can't be the solution if you already are the problem. God is so much wiser than I am, and I am so thankful for that. He is so much wiser than you are, and I am so thankful for that. He's so much better than our categories or the boxes we put him in. So do a thought experiment with me for, the second, for a second, okay? You have a goal. You have a, a, a grandiose goal, and here it is. My long-term goal is to be the most influential and famous person who ever lived. Centuries from now, I want whole civilizations built on my teachings, and I want to be at the center of the lives of billions of people. What should I do to accomplish this? And in this thought experiment, you assemble around you the greatest minds of the day. All the business consultants, the economists, the philosophers, the, 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 the politicians, the whatever, and what would they say would be your step to achieve that goal? I'll tell you what it wouldn't be. It definitely wouldn't be the story of Jesus, which is summarized like this. Be born in obscurity. Avoid getting involved in any of the powerful political or economic or academic networks of the day and be tragically killed in your early 30s. That will be the way to unleash your followers in a movement that will actually transcend time, cultures, and all possible barriers who will become the most ethnically, geographically, economically, culturally diverse group of people the world has ever seen. And yet this is exactly what God does. Amen. He is so much better than my categories. He is God. He is so much greater than the categories I can place him in. So much more than my feelings or emotions of the moment or of my opinions. That is the true God of all creation. Amen? Which brings me to my final point as I close. Jesus is better than religion. He is so much greater than all of our categories. And he is therefore worthy of our worship. Worthy of all worship. So here's a challenge for you today. If you are looking at Christianity, exploring Christianity, knowing this may be a, uh, this is a high, you know, holy holiday in the church, I want to challenge you with your first question. Fight your instincts to look and say, does Jesus fit who I am? And actually say, who is Jesus really? Because he's so much greater than the category you would put him in. He's actually a fork in the road. 
So what Jesus claims here on Palm Sunday, when he rides in on the donkey, when he's greeted as the coming king, the Messiah, the Savior, he actually creates a really important fork in the road. You have two responses to this Savior and King. One, you can reject him and run away. Or two, you can receive it and run toward him with joy and worship him because he gave it all for you. I will put before you that is the option to take. That is the true way to life, to eternity with God, to salvation. And keeping with our consistency of God's word instead of my words, reflect again on who exactly Jesus is. We can turn to Philippians 2, 5 through 11. See your Savior here, the one who claimed to be Messiah, King, Lord of all. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What an important therefore Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Yeah, we can praise him for that. So church, you see, he's, he's better than religion. He's better than any way we could make for ourselves to salvation. That would never work. He is the definer of truth. He's so much better than any of our categories. And so what I want to close on today is a poetic reflection from almost 500 years ago. I came across uh, this quote in a totally different reading this week in a, in a book I was reading, and I'm like, man, this is our Savior. This is the real Jesus. And, and I just know I was reading that book for a reason this week. 500 years ago, this is your Savior, okay? This is who he claimed to be and who he actually was. He was sold to buy us back. Captive to deliver us, condemned to absolve us, he was made a curse for our blessing, a sin offering for our righteousness, marred that we may be made fair. He died for our life so that by him fury is made gentle. Wrath appeased, darkness turned into light, fear reassured, despisal despised. Debt canceled, labor lightened, sadness made merry, misfortune made fortunate, difficulty easy, disorder ordered, division united, ignominy ennobled, rebellion subjected, intimidation intimidated, 
ambush uncovered, assaults assailed, force forced back, combat combated, war warred against, vengeance avenged, torment tormented, damnation damned, the abyss sunk into the abyss, hell transfixed, death dead, mortality made immortal. In short, mercy has swallowed up all misery and goodness has swallowed up all misfortune. Whew! So church, that, that is our Savior. Nothing less. That is our Savior, the real Jesus who actually came to meet the deepest needs of the world, the deepest needs of our heart. And I want you, I just pray, would we see this Easter season, this Palm Sunday, our coming King and know he is better than religion, he is greater than all our categories, and he is so worthy of all of our worship. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you. We encounter you who's so much more true. Better than any system we would devise ourselves, Lord, you are our definer. You are our sustainer. We read in your, in your word that in you we have our breath and our being. So thank you, Lord, for your presence. And I pray for our church family, Lord, would we see our real Savior, our real King, our real Messiah. Because, Lord, Jesus shows that you are faithful to all of your promises. And so we acknowledge that today. We ask you to continue to open our eyes and our hearts for the real Jesus and to overflow with his presence to the waiting, watching, needing world. It's in your most holy name we praise you. Amen.